Welcome to your August Investor Update, now also delivered as a podcast. I'm Holly Graham and I'm a Senior Wealth Manager here at Nutmeg. I'm joined today by our Chief Investment Officer, James McManus. Hi James. Hi Holly. James, news headlines would suggest that July was a slightly rockier month for markets, with some good days and some less good days. How did the markets perform over the month as a whole? Well, looking at overall portfolio returns for July wouldn't necessarily give you an indication of the movements that have taken place under the surface, but it's been quite a busy month in financial markets. Uh, Whilst developed markets continued their positive trajectory, returning around 1.1% for July, emerging market equities saw quite significant volatility, delivering returns of just over negative 7% for the month. Leading the losses was China, down close to 14%, the worst monthly loss for Chinese equities since 2011. And meanwhile, in developed markets, Nordic equity markets have led. Uh, US growth stocks and UK mid-caps also performed relatively well in July. And in the bond market, the positive run for government bonds has continued with both UK gilts and US treasuries delivering positive returns uh, in the month of July. And, And that also boosted higher quality corporate bonds. Elsewhere in the bond markets, though, returns have been relatively muted. So July, we've seen a little bit more market volatility than we've been accustomed to of late, but it's really an important reminder that this is just simply a natural part of investing in financial markets. We tend to forget that in periods where markets trend upwards more broadly, but in terms of the wider picture, actually the level of volatility in financial markets still remains relatively muted at present. The market's favorite measure, the VIX or volatility index, remains around its 10-year average level. Now, clearly emerging markets have been a little bit more volatile in, in the near term, but we haven't experienced a period of broad-based volatility in July. Thanks, James. And what were the main drivers behind market movements in the month? Well, in developed equity and bond markets, the story has really been dominated by two things, and that is the continued trajectory of the economic recovery and also a strong start to second quarter earnings season towards the end of the month. Now, we did witness some limited volatility in the middle of July as investors contended with both mixed signals from economic data and and also fears over the spread of, of the Delta variant and how that would really impact expectations for the economic recovery. And we expect some volatility to assist as we, we find our way through this reopening process. The nature of the current environment makes forecasting quite difficult and we're likely to continue to see COVID-related issues persist in different ways in the coming months. But in emerging markets, the story has been quite different. Despite concern over rising Delta fears in economies that have much lower vaccination rates, really one topic has dominated and that has been the policy approach of Chinese regulators towards certain industry sectors and and towards this thorny topic of Chinese companies listing overseas. And that spooked investors in the Chinese equity market market as that regulatory clampdown has broadened and it's caused steep falls in the prices of many leading Chinese technology and internet related businesses affected by those policy changes. Given the steep losses in China, how does this change our thinking about emerging markets and should investors be concerned about further losses here? Well, China is really central to most investors' views on emerging markets because of its relative size. It accounts for about 30% of emerging market stock indices. And within the Chinese market, technology and internet-focused businesses dominate. The likes of Alibaba, Tencent, MyTwin all have significant weightings in the index. And many of those companies have seen negative share price impacts in July as investors have come to terms with the new Chinese policies intended to curb some excesses in the system uh, and in some ways recognize the, the interests of the Communist Party 
itself. And certainly we're in the eye of the storm as markets digest the news and, and there may well yet be some more policy announcements to come. But those losses have already come quite quickly. Medium term, we still expect those businesses to be able to grow uh, under a more mature regulatory structure. And, and the recent policy moves are unhelpful in the near term, but not necessarily impediments to long-term growth, particularly for mega cap companies with more diverse business models. But I think it's also always worth remembering that investing in emerging markets is a long-term activity. We believe emerging markets still stand to benefit from a catch-up effect and that continued recovery that we're seeing in, in global trade. Uh, inventories, for example, are running at record low levels and restocking those in the coming months will certainly lean on EM supply chains. COVID, that remains a concern, but vaccination rates will also accelerate in the second half of the year and export activity will be supported by strong strong developed market demand as economies reopen here where vaccines have been distributed. Medium term, emerging markets still retain large populations that will sustain the domestic demand and drive the wealth creation we need to see. So there's certainly more to EM than China, but clearly it's been a challenging period so far uh, for Chinese equities in July and, and also so far this year. July also saw some of the world's biggest companies report Q2 earnings, with some disappointing news from Netflix and big results from tech giants, Apple, Google, Microsoft and Facebook. We also saw US GDP undershoot expectations towards the end of the month. What did we learn in July about the pace of the economic recovery? Well, it's often the case that mega cap companies attract all of the headlines, but what we've really been looking for is the overall results from earnings season. Just how broad-based is earnings growth across economic sectors, and are all types of companies participating in the recovery? And so far, around 50% of companies have reported results in the US and Europe, and it's relatively good news. Uh, in the United States, we're seeing aggregate earnings growth of close to 100% year on year. That's about 20% better uh, than the market expected. And in Europe, earnings growth is running at a staggering 170% per year, about 30% better than analysts expected. So the picture emerging from companies themselves is a relatively robust one. And that also pairs with the macroeconomic data, which on the whole has continued also to be encouraging, particularly the ongoing strength in trade activity and the recovery in labour markets as emergency employment schemes wind down. In the final days of the month, we also saw a strong uh, set of second quarter GDP numbers in, in Europe, and the US registered second quarter GDP growth of 6.5%. Now, on its own, that would be a relatively strong level, but market expectations were actually significantly higher than that. Um, however, we don't think that's cause for concern. The consumption data in the GDP report showed that US consumers are back spending again, spending more than was expected, uh, which is key to the recovery trajectory from here. And the shortfall in GDP largely relates to less government spending and less rebuilding of inventories than economists expected to take place between April and June of this year. Thanks, James. So against this market backdrop, how did the Nutmeg fully managed portfolios perform during July? Given those market moves, July delivered relatively muted returns for fully managed portfolios, ranging from around 0.7% in lower risk portfolios to 0.9% in a typical medium risk portfolio and around 0.5% in our higher risk portfolios. Returns in our social responsible portfolios were slightly lower than that in July, around 0.5% in the lowest risk, 0.7% in medium risk, and 0.4% in the higher risk portfolios. And given everything that's happened lately, have you made any changes to the Nutmeg fully managed portfolios? 
Last month, I mentioned we started to rebalance our Japanese equity exposure, and we've continued to do that uh, again this month as the market has once again underperformed its global equity peers. Finally, this month's customer question has come from Ollie via our client services team. Ollie has asked, do you have a view on the current rumors in the market that many leading equities are overvalued and there could be an equity bubble that will burst at some point? Thanks for the question, Ollie. Um, valuation is certainly top of mind for many investors, but firstly, we don't believe there's currently an equity bubble, or, or at least not on a broad basis. Uh, there will, of course, always be pockets of typically niche companies that may display bubble-like behaviours, but our portfolios really are built to be diversified across global stock markets and therefore thousands of underlying securities. Um, when we look at valuation, we apply a historical lens and, and typical measures of valuation such as price earnings ratios are currently elevated relative to history. But we also have to remember that the composition of markets has changed as well. In the US, for example, technology related companies with strong growth attributes now account for a much higher portion of the marketplace than they previously did. And that pushes up overall valuations in, in that sector of the market. Equally, just because the market is cheap, doesn't mean it will outperform. The UK equity market is a good example of this in, in the past 18 months. So we've got to be quite careful with valuation metrics to ensure that we're recognizing their flaws as well as their benefits uh, and how they relate to what's happening in the wider economy. And therefore, it's also worth remembering that valuation is a relative concept as well as an absolute one. And, and that is that investors have to place valuations for stocks in the context of valuations for uh, other investment assets uh, and current market dynamics. So government bonds currently offer negative real or after inflation returns. Corporate bonds offer very little by historical standards in terms of additional return for the risks that are being taken. And cash rates are anchored towards zero. So investors are therefore looking to equities as a better risk reward asset given their potential to benefit not just from the economic recovery, but also as inflation remains uh, relatively elevated. Thanks, James. Thanks, Holly. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions for James, the investment team, or something you'd like answered in next month's investor update, you can contact us on social media, email, or in the comment section below. We look forward to seeing you next month. More information about this update is available in the description. As with all investing, your capital is at risk. The value of your portfolio with Nutmeg can go down as well as up, and you may get back less than you invest. Past or future performance indicators are not a reliable indicator of future performance.